Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Are you there? Can you hear me? Live across the world. <clears throat> Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, folks. Feel free to let me know if you can hear me because that's always going to be my. My, <laughs> it's always going to be my nervousness is that for some reason the audio doesn't work. They should have like a little audio reader. I got everything else up on top here. Oh, thank you, Chris. Hey, um, I was dying clothes last night so if my hands look all weird and colored uh, sometimes that's what I like to do is take things I don't wear and turn them into something that I might want to wear more with a little bit of dye <laughs> I'm an artist um, oh, there we go I can see clearly now um, so, uh, my dad, um, had, had, had a bad night last night and he's been, uh, been pretty sick and, um, you know, he's 84. So, you know, when you get older, you, you, things happen and he's had a few strokes and a few mini strokes and he had a kind of a rough night last night. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, such a, a strange life. When my dad was in prison, um, he was my age and some people say, why do you always talk about him in prison? It's because it's where the time we really connected. We really, you know, connect during those years. So that's why I refer to those not to be like, oh, sorry, sad old times. Um, just, that was just the times that were, actually some of them are really good, you know, and that's the thing is, is Freud talks about that. Sometimes you'll look back on the sad times and realize they were some of the best times and, and, um, the things you learned from those times. So, um, I believe my buddy D.E. is becoming a bishop today. He was a bishop elect and, uh, D.E., uh, D stands for Donnie, and E stands for Earl. Donald Earl Polk is becoming a bishop, and uh, he, he's the guy who told me, my buddy and my like brother, who told me about grace, and uh, I'm so happy that, uh, I'm happy for him. You know, he's kind of following in the legacy of his uncle, and uh, of course, uh, Carlton Pearson, who was a friend and mentor. So that's really great. Um, so last week we did a little bit about those kind of like reclaiming some old scriptures, you know, kind of like, 
verses that we I felt that have been like were abused through my life, and uh, always made me think of, you know, it's like you kind of like have these bad memories with them, you know, like they were maybe used against you and and stuff, and it's just so amazing to me. Like I did a couple videos talking about them because I really wanted people to watch it because I think we need reformation horribly, but you know, unfortunately, like unless like some billionaire comes out and be like, reform the church, it feels like nobody's listening, you know, I don't know who we're listening to now, um, and some of the voices that are out there that are being heard don't seem to be talking about reformation, um, I mean, a lot of them are doing great work, so I can understand why that that might not be their focus, but there's so much that needs to be changed and so much that needs to be talked about and can be talked about in the midst of uh, loving others and helping others and and fighting for uh, human rights as well. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things that it's like we could make it broader by <laughs> broader through some sort of reformation. Um, Phyllis Tickle believed that that was going to happen at this time. And, um, and I kind of believe it's going to happen. I just think it's going to happen slowly. And maybe we'll look back and realize it slowly happened over years because um, everybody's attention was uh, based on the horrors in the world and the doom scrolling and whatever the, the, whatever the algorithm wants you to see. Um, so not feeling super peppy today that I mean I just found out w before I got here uh, about my dad's how, how bad his night was and so I, I've got to make some decisions and, and things like that so anyhow um but we're back but no but back to that talk you know and I and for some reason I, I did two I think I did two videos on that talk and I don't usually do extra videos to promote a talk but I felt it was important for folks to kind of reclaim the verses. And one person was like, oh, that seems like it'd be quite a feat, you know, to to reclaim those. And it was like, not really, you know, it was it was like just reading, reading the rest of the verses, just reading the rest, just reading, just <laughs> reading the rest of the paragraph. You know, it's amazing that sometimes the paragraph is what, <laughs> reading a paragraph and not, weaponizing scripture to, as these little fortune cookies of wrath, <laughs> fortunes of wrath, <laughs> the name of my next book. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like not using them that way is uh, quite amazing. Context is quite amazing. Um, I mean, I'm glad there's verses because it makes it easier for me, but it's like funny because you get people who will get into like verse battles and it's just out of context sentences, you know, it's like, it would be like using people's quotes to, you know, battle things and you always find out famous quotes aren't quite what we thought they were. Um, like when Nietzsche said God is dead or the opium of the religion is the opium of the masses, it's like, keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. And so that's valuable stuff for us to keep reading. And often I found when I kept reading and kept studying, I felt something, I found something that was more inclusive and that was actually good news. And, um, and found grace through that. And uh, or I think what Paul may call the spirit, you know, our faith. 
month. So I'm excited to be here today. I want to thank everybody um, who's been supporting Revolution by retweeting and sharing on Instagram. Please like at us when you share those so we can re so we can thank you and share those as well. So when you share our stories or you share these talks, you know, please put you know whatever format it is, connect us. Like if it's on X, connect Revolution. If it's on Instagram, connect Revolution or myself or both of them, both would be nice. Or threads or Facebook. We're on Facebook a lot. That's where the majority of people seem to be for uh, Revolution. So you can do that. But I also just really want to thank you folks who showed up financially because this has been super tough. It's super hard to focus and study and do all this stuff when your family is, when you don't know what's going to happen to your father, uh, to your loved ones. Um, anybody who's been through that knows that it's just, well, your brain goes into a different way of thinking. But for me, it's it's also a highlighter of life is when you feel that loss is on its way is that you, you, you come in more focused and you realize the, th the mundane things about life every day that, that are mundane and the things that we take for granted and the things that the, the, the uh, importance that we put on ridiculous things. Um, so anywho, anyway, oh, so we were like $300 short for our pay period and our pay period is not just for me, but it's also our bills and stuff. And I put on a letter and you guys showed up and I want to say thank you for that. We really do. I would really like to raise the budget so we don't have to raise money all the time and ask for finances all the time. I'd love to get the budget where it needs to be. Um, but we're going to need like a miracle for that to happen. Uh, one of you guys needs, you guys need to be playing the um, lottery. <laughs> Build a time machine, go back in time, invest in Apple. Send us some ties. Um, we can keep going. Um, but anyway, so there's that. But let, that's not what I'm here to talk about. But I did want to say thank you for you guys showing up. I mean, it really helps. I mean, it's great. It's like amazing when we're able to like pay bills and do things and not have to worry about that. Uh, me and Josh are talking about like, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to film this just on a, I mean, my computer, uh, we bought a new computer uh, a couple of years ago, raised money in the computer and the computer got destroyed um, because a friend of ours was struggling with drug addiction and things happened. Um, so it would be nice not to just do all this stuff on the phone. I mean, everything I do, emails, texts, everything, just, it's all phone. None of it's, no computer, which is fine. I mean, we keep the budget low. We got lights and the nice background um so we're in galatians and this is the longest we've gone through galatians and i'm really excited about that because we've been going through and like with a fine tooth cone which can be kind of um kind of boring in some ways uh i think ultimately as as a set <laughs> a collection a, a series this will be a pretty good series on on uh, the book but also you know going through with the fine tooth also reminds us like what 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 was going on at that time what was you know what is the context what were people thinking how different were people from us um and i think that's important to remember and realize that we've evolved and we've changed over 2000 years um, unfortunately, I feel like, you know, 
what I'd like to see is us get close to the earlier Christianity, the earlier, like the, the earlier 400 or first 400, 500 years of Christianity. Um, I feel like the past 1500 years have been, uh, become something else. And that's what I was talking about last week is like, you know, who you don't hang out with and <laughs> what you don't do when you're wearing silly shirts and, you know, uh, condemning people and tearing people apart and, um, becoming like, uh, Christian nationalists. It's not even, it's not even like the United States is the nation. It's just, it's like Christianity is the nation, you know? And it's like, that's not what anybody wanted to see. That's not what Paul wanted to see. Paul's fighting against that with the Judaizers who have come into Gaul, the Galatians, and they're speaking Galatians and, and Jew, uh, Jewish nationalism is playing a part in what's going on with the Galatians in this book. And he's trying to be like, no, this is, we've we got to get past this, you know, we got to be a community of, of people, of human beings. And when we see this pushed more and more um, here, and so I think it's timeless for so much of that, because we see so much of that happening in the world and so many nations becoming so, so focused. America is pretty good at it, right? So back to Galatians. So Galatians 3 is where we're at, and we just got out of basically a little just previously on Galatians. Um, Paul has confronted Peter about not sitting with Gentiles. Um, this book is a rebuke in a way to the Gentiles for falling back into uh, traditions and uh, the law and there have been some folks who've come into Church of Galatia and been like, hey, listen, you know, Paul's not a really, a real apostle, and the only way to really fulfill his work is by being circumcised and by uh, going back to the law and celebrating certain things and not eating certain meats and by being separatists. And there's this thing that always seems to come into Christianity, and it seems to always be this Achilles heel of Christianity, is to somehow be a separatist religion. Um, you know, I was talking about all that stuff and all the funny t-shirts and the bracelets and things like that. And, you know, I remember stuff like people like, meet me at the flag, you know. We're going to show up to school an hour early and pray around the flag so people know who we are. We're going to carry our Bibles so people know we're better than them. I mean, that's was the vibe. Like, I'm going to heaven. I don't drink alcohol or smoke the cigarettes, you know, and it was just one of those things where uh, if you really wanted to be a radical youth leader, you would just be like, just, you know, I know you're partying. I know you're doing all this stuff, but know that you're loved and know that you're accepted and how, you know, how cool would that be rather than you've got to give it, you've got to win your school to Jesus. You know, it's like, you know, no wonder there's so many, like, anti-Christian, like, ex-Christian podcasts where I was an evangelical teacher and my youth pastor didn't give me pizza and made me pass out testaments. Testaments, remember? They were mints, and the rapper had a scripture in them. Made me pass out testaments at school, you know. And I was a nerd. I get it. And then there was also a lot of really horrible things as well. Um, but... I, but a lot of that was just man-made crap because that's the Achilles heel of, like I said, of Christianity. It was this, 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 we would need to be exclusive. You know, you need to do something special to fulfill this and we need to be an exclusive group of people and 
and um, and we need to change people and and uh, and then as we saw when we saw that was talked about loving people and showing more grace and all this other stuff so I was just like oh that's uh, that's really really crazy you know um, there's way more inclusion here and a lot less exclusion than you know when it's saying being renewed and not be of this world it's saying not be of this world is not to be of this world is not to be an exclusive exclusive person is not to judge your enemies is not to uh, avoid people is not to get revenge but it's actually to love and tolerate oh shoot i was told the complete opposite growing up so a lot of people who are like anti you know <laughs> the former christian ex-christian pocket a lot of that is just cause like hey you got yeah you should be pissed because what you were told isn't what's in here and some of it is in here but it if you don't know scholarship you don't realize that it's not it, it, it's for there's forgeries in here too you know so i'm sorry that this has been such a book a suspect device to abuse you so so that's what paul's arguing against here is paul saying like we gotta like this isn't about being exclusive this isn't about being following certain rules and regulations you know this is about faith in christ this is freedom in christ this is a, and then and, and to make really clear faith is a gift the spirit is a gift it's not something that you earn or you get because you've done something um so that's really interesting as well i mean i remember i talked about that years ago at cornerstone and I got in a lot of trouble there by the the powers that be because they said, you know, oh, that's just too much grace and that's not true, you know. You have to you have to long for holiness. It's not a gift. And I was like, well, if you look at the Greek and the Hebrew and the, 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 the you know, um, it's funny what, when people don't like what you find out when you study when you when you when you start going in depth. Like scholarship will usually lead you to heresy. Good scholarship leads to heresy. And uh, unfortunately, then you're like a voice crying in the wilderness because you're realizing that almost everything you've been raised in is actually a type of heresy. But, you know, I know you are, but what am I really isn't the best argument. So I think the best argument is how do we disagree well and how do we have conversations and how do we build better relationships that make actual change? So we're going to go through part of Galatians 3 today. Um, what we find is... is is Paul right here going, Oh, foolish Galatians. You, he says, you, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly exhibited as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish how you've now started the spirit? Have you now started with the spirit? Or are you now ending it with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? And remember, he just said, "I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as kind." As I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as as uh, I don't nullify the grace of God because uh, I don't make Christ's death worth nothing. Is what he said in the last part of Galatians two goes on to say, if it is really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by what you're doing or the works of the law or by believing what you heard? 
Now this is really a loaded thing, and this is what happens when you start bringing in uh, scholarship here, is you start to learn a little bit more about these issues and, and, and what's happening being said here, and everything is kind of loaded. One way Paul, I mean, yeah, Paul is confronting now his audience, the Church of Galatia, the Gauls, if you will, um, just the way he, he probably confronted Peter. Now, when he goes, you foolish Galatians, um, this hit a little bit harder. I mean, this was a real hard-hitting statement because this was a stereotype that a lot of people in Judaism had towards Gentiles, you know, uh, you know uh, that they were just foolish, that they were idiots, you know, all fool they, were, they were sinners by birth and they weren't chosen and they were you know, second-class citizens, and and so, you know, you foolish Gentiles, but he says Galatians here, you you know, uh, so it includes every, oh, you foolish Galatians, so he's just putting it all out there for everybody, and calls them fools, and he goes, who has bewitched you, and it's, now here's another thing that a lot of us don't probably think about or realize is that, um, and you might think, well, of course, Jay, you know, you're believing in God and stuff, all this. But, but, but like when he says bewitched, like they believed in, you know, people at this time, religious people at this time believed in sorcery and magic and things like that. Of course, they were uh, uh, theists, you know, but they only believed in one God, so monotheists. So they believed that, of course, a lot, most of that magic and all that kind of stuff came from the devil or angels or things like that. And you might be saying, well, didn't, you know, what's the difference than that, than believing just, you know, maybe we should not watch Harry Potter. <laughs> the point is, is to show you how different things were at that time. You know, the point there, the, the thinking about that is he's literally being like, did like someone put an evil eye on you? Did you get like a spell cast on you? Like, is, is, he, is he being sarcastic or is he being somewhat real? But, you know, at this time, these people would have been like, oh, you know, like it would have meant something different than like if I was like, did David, did David Copperfield put a mind trance on you? You know, you think, oh, you know, he's being funny. But this he's like saying like, you guys, are, what's happened to you? You're acting like you've been bewitched. You've acting like you're possessed. You're acting like fools. And in this time, these people would have understood this as being a very firm rebuke. Um, um, and when he says, you know, before, you had seen Christ before your eyes, this was um, an this was such a, a used thing at times because you know we didn't they didn't have films or movies or things like that, you know, or books, <laughs> and you know, there wasn't the printing press, and uh, this was uh, what was it ocular an ocular demonstration is what often teachers would call it is like you would feel like you've seen things. And I can remember this when I used to read a lot of comic books. Sometimes I would think I saw a cartoon of the book that I read, and then I realized, like, oh, it was a comic book, but I must have animated it in my head, you know. Or um, I read the DC comic uh, Kingdom Come, but I read it in the um, uh, just in the book form, not in the comic book form. And um, when I read it, the novelization of Kingdom Come. And it's funny, then when I picked up the comic book, I remember thinking like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember, but it was because the first time I read it, it was how I was picturing it. So here his thing is he's going like, you used to see this as, as um, you know, you used to see Christ as clearly as though I had shown you a picture. Like in your mind, you've seen this. 
Another thing we don't talk a lot about, Paul, is that the first account of resurrection in the New Testament, with the earliest account of resurrection in the New Testament, um, is not a physical resurrection. It's a spiritual, it's a vision that Paul has when he's on the road to Damascus. Paul is the first one, because his works were written like 30, 40, 50, 60 years before the Gospels, to say, Christ showed up to me, but it was in a vision. And then in Mark, I believe there's the there is no physical resurrection. Um, so it's interesting to see like these earlier books that resurrection was something that was 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 vision. It was vision. It was something that's seen. So, you know, these are these are things that we just don't talk about, or we don't hear a lot about, or maybe it comes up in a discussion. You know, um, but I think these are things worth talking about and thinking how Paul's work is so close to that. Um, here we go. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing? You know, he was very clear to these folks that the Spirit is a gift. The idea of grace is a gift. It is not something that you earn. That's why there is no difference between Jew nor Gentile, male nor free male, you know, free or slave. We are all equal. You know, that he's saying that this isn't something that comes from your breeding. This isn't something that comes from being a chosen people. This is, this is a gift for all people. And he'll get into that because he's going to talk about Abraham. And Abraham would obviously be something that would be important to uh, Gentiles, uh, Christians, is because Abraham was originally a Gentile. Um, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but, but he's also seen as the father of faith. So that's also why it's important that, we, that, that Paul brings up Abraham in all this conversation. So he keeps saying, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by doing the works of the law? Or are you believing what you heard? And, and, and his argument is he's saying it's by believing what you heard. It's by receiving that gift. It's by realizing that there was a gift there and you took that gift. You know, it's not by the works of the law. Now people say, well, James says faith without works is dead. But I think what James is saying is it's almost like a stillborn kind of thing is what he's saying for others. Because he goes, if you walk past, after he says that, he goes, if you walk past someone, you see them in hunger, or you see them in need, or you see them in cold, and you have a jacket, or you have ways to help them, and you just go, eat well, have a great day, bye-bye, you know, and you ignore them, your faith is useless. Um, and I think that might be what he's trying to say. But um, famously, Martin Luther, the reformist, called uh, James the Epistle of Straw. He was not a fan of it. Um, so back here, let's jump back into, uh, Galatians three, five. Well then, does God supply you with the spirit and work miracles among you by doing the works of the law or by you believing in what Jesus heard? Now this is where he goes in because they're probably what's happening here in Galatians is that the Judaizers, the group that are pushing back on Paul and saying that Paul's not a good enough, uh, apostle and that Paul's not, pre Paul's tickling ears and, and not preaching the correct thing is they probably used Abraham against him um, because, you know, Abraham, kind of the father of faith, was a Gentile who converted and eventually did get uh, circumcised. Um, and so did Isaac. But you know who else got circumcised? So did Ishmael. So, so Paul's going to push back a little bit on this, but still use Abraham to kind of push back on what his cr critics are probably using against him. 
just as Abraham believed in God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So you see, those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. So he believed that when Abraham, that moment that Abraham, because Abraham did good works and big bad works and, and, and did these different things, but it's also 450 years before the law was given. Um, what he's trying to say, though, is that it wasn't, um, it wasn't like salvation over time. It wasn't like sanctification. He wasn't slowly being sanctified as that it was it. That was it. The moment he said, God said, you will have descendants as many as the stars, he was like, this is it. And he was made righteous by grace, by faith, by hope, by belief, by seeing, by understanding, by being told this. He was responding to that. I know that some say receive and some say accept. Um, grace. I guess I like receive better. Um, that's more the Lutheran idea. So just as Abraham believed. And eight, it says, and I like this because he goes into this like back and forth. He's going to give us this little argument, back and forth argument in the next few verses. He goes, and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared that the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Now, the cool thing about this is um, what was really said was all nations. And so when he says Gentiles, that means everybody, Jews and Gentiles, all nations. So it wasn't just we'll be blessed through you. You know, some of these people said that the spirit comes through you know only great works and piety and, and you know and if you want the spirit you must be a, a solid person and if you're a good person then you're a son of abraham you're a daughter of abraham if you do great righteous things you're your offspring of abraham uh not a you know and and, and they believed that circumcision completed that that's what his crit critics would think is that well abraham was only complete once he was circumcised um but Paul really deflect, really hates back on that pretty hard, and even more so in the book of Romans. So it's really interesting how Romans is almost like his second, you know, like an amplified Galatians in some places. So you look at Abraham, who was also, in fact, a Gentile who was justified by faith. Abraham was probably used by Paul's critics to force work uh, works. Um, and I mentioned already that Ishmael was also circumcised because that's what they would have argued is, well, look at Ishmael, and, you know, and, and so what did that do for him? So what the danger is, is here is that we only find completion through the law and through good works. And for me, in modern day, like bring that into now, for me that would be through who you vote for or who you, you know, your politics sometimes is how you're seen as righteous or if you're, uh, in some, if you're evangelical, it's how conservative and sin and avoidance you are and maybe what you give to the homeless, you know, and, and, the, and then in the progressive thing, it's how inclusive you are with certain groups of people and who you, you give to the homeless and you anti-war and you do these things. And so these are our, our, our we, we've turned these signs like we, we would think would be signs into proof into our works and or this is how we, you know, we're good Christians because we don't like those Christians or we're not like them, or we're not, uh, you know, the big, uh, 
everybody was um, deconstructing and, you know, so you got to have the conservative evangelicals going, deconstruction is of the devil. Um, and then you've got, um, you know, you've got the other ones. No, you've got to deconstruct and blah, blah, blah. You know, and then you've got the confusion of deconstruction or like just deconstruction is just basically just getting rid of your faith, which that isn't deconstruction either. Um, <laughs> sorry. I mean, it could be a, an outcome of deconstruction, but it's not deconstruction. Um, so Abraham is Old Testament, someone's asking, and this is Paul referring to the Old Testament because that's all they had. They didn't have, uh, Paul wouldn't have had the New Testament. So here goes this back and forth. For all who rely on works or the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all things written in the book of the law. Um, and, and you see this kind of idea of this modern day twist on this is how we, we take this and go, oh, we're not, we're not following the, you know, the, the, the Jewish law. Uh, we're following, you know, we have a Christian law now that we set up and, 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 uh, and we use that to, to demand people's uh, certain actions or, or certain purity or certain way they love or certain things like that and and there becomes a thing where the spirit is really taken out of the equation you know the idea of grace and the spirit are taken out of the equation and i think we can take faith spirit and grace and we can kind of let those three kind of marinate together for a second here okay um and so he says here and paul says here in 10 for all who rely on the work of the law under are under a curse for it is written curse is everyone who does not observe and obey all things written in the book of the law now of course no one's going to completely be able to follow the law so he does that um could be a bit seen as a bit of a straw man but um paul was also very prideful and said when he was a pharisee he followed the whole law um here we go on um Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. So this is the back and forth you see. You see 10, he says that, and he goes, Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does works of the law will live by them. And so Paul, a lot of people, when I was, uh, my early years of, of, of speaking and ministry and doing Christian festivals and being around mostly evangelicals in my earlier career, uh, a lot of people would say, Jay, you know, this message of grace is a slippery slope. Matter of fact, I, I was able to talk to my dad on the phone the other day and he goes, well, I feel like you got too much, I gave you too much grace. And I'm like, well, it wasn't that you gave it to me, it was that you showed it to other people. Uh, but it was also that, I became very interested in this concept of grace and looked into it and found that it was really amazing. And I figured that this Achilles heel of the law of works that come in different forms. And when it's the law, the next minute it's, uh, you know, it could be canceling people. Well, well, cancel culture could be part of the law. You know, well, we do that because we're, you know, we're the good ones and we cancel these people because they deserve to be canceled. They're, 
you know, and all of a sudden grace is out of the equation. You see, there's no more grace. So that's a type of law too. So no one gets like this free pass of like legalism because legalism is, is in right and left. We, we so fondly want to think in that like dualistic way. Um, but we all fall into this trap. There's always this, 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 this need to create a law or to make sense of things and to feel better about oneself. We have to kind of other people or scapegoat others. And, and, and Paul saying you can't scapegoat anybody anymore because um, there was only one scapegoat, you know, and that was Jesus. In Paul's mind, that's it. You can't, you know, that's why there's no Jew nor Gentile, you know, male or female. You can't scapegoat women anymore. You can't scapegoat men. You can't scapegoat children. You can't scapegoat slaves. That's all done with. And that's what's radical about what Paul's saying. You know, I wish Paul said you need to free your slave, but Paul was saying something close getting towards that by saying you've got they're your brothers and your sisters in christ and how you treat them is how you treat god you know so there's this big you know love your neighbor as yourself love your enemy how are you supposed to love this person so, so you see some some sort of radical inclusion being built over time and for us to think that that's where it just stopped and that we weren't con to continually build off of that inclusion is to me kind of crazy um, and then the fact that we we quite forget how easy it is for this, this, um, our egos to get in and, and become, uh, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use here. Um, virtue signalers. And so virtue signaling almost becomes our new way of being heretics or, or not heretics, Pharisees or judge, or, you know, or us and them. And, you know, and, and that can be either way. It can be like, you know, for one side, it's wearing Make America Great Again. For another side, it's, you know, like me, I'll wear a peace symbol or, you know, stop war or cease fire. You know, and these are all things that need to happen. And I'm more left than I am right, as most of you familiar with my work will know. But still, the point is, is that virtue signaling, these things aren't what brings upon the spirit. These are not things that bring upon grace. These are not things that are, bring upon Christianity or allow God, who I believe is this, the, the ground of being, to, to be within our lives and how we live our lives. Because it's, it's, it's simply just putting the, the cart before the horse. Um, and I love it because Paul says, now that it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, and so as I think we have counterfeit love, but we also have the counterfeit law that we've recreated. But it, I mean, it literally says no one. No one, nobody. You know, you can sit all day and tell me how great you are. You know, I, I watch some of these uh, social justice warriors who I really agree with and love, but then I'll like read their comments and people will say things and they will, you know, that may be, well, what have you ever thought about this? And they will just snap and just cut that person down. And it bums me out because I'm going like, man, you've got this great message, but if you're going to have be so angry and, and carry this chip on your shoulder, which I know I've carried a lot of chips on my shoulder over time, uh, ex-preacher's kid, fallen preacher's kid and all that stuff. Um, it's easy to, you know, you become so angry that you, 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 you can't really show grace anymore. You can't show people what led you there because you're still so angry. And that was a time in my life where I was preaching grace, but I was so angry that there was probably no way anybody who wasn't agreeing with me, <laughs> any, any of my uh, descenders or, or you know, uh, critics were probably not 
really excited to sit down and talk with me. And now I've learned to care less about the, my own pain and being able to love others more and have conversations and disagree well, and even at times argue well. Um, and I've been using disagree well a lot more lately is because I had a few arguments a few months ago where I realized my, 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 uh, my passions got the better of me. And so I feel like we need to not jump right into arguing, but maybe learn to disagree. Well, we can disagree, you know, that's what, you know, with my, my family coming together right now, like we all don't see the same things, uh, same theology. And we don't have all these same different ideas, but you know, my dad's really sick and there's a chance we might lose him. And you know what, we're all coming together and we're talking and it's taken a while. It's slow, but we're talking to each other. We love each other. We care about each other because this reminds us what's valuable in life. Uh, not your political stance always, but just the stance of like, hey, Oh, we can show compassion and love towards people that we don't agree with. Uh, that we might even think its messages are there are is 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 an enemy to our own message. The righteous will live by faith, but the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does works of the law will live by them. Then Paul goes in to do this whole thing again. Christ redeemed us. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hang hung on a tree, who hangs on a tree. Now, what I, what I want to look at this, and I think it's interesting that we don't hear a lot because, you know, I always hear stuff like, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? You know, and that used to be the one that, you know, that, that's, you know, and if you believe that, then I want you to come around down here. I want you to raise your hand. Every eye closed, every head bowed, close your eyes, no one looking around, you know, and they do that whole thing and then tell you that you have to walk down at that after the prayer. Anybody who does denies me before man. <laughs> you know, it's always that trick. It's like, wait, I was going to get saved in private. Now I have to be saved in public. And now uh, I have to stop listening to Marilyn Manson and listen to DC talk. Oh, Lord, what's happening? <laughs> I remember I had like this little onyx cross that I bought at some hippie shop and the pastor was like, you got to take it off brother and surrender it to Jesus. You know, it was like all of a sudden everything cool is like not cool anymore. You know, um, but what you don't hear is that, you know, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus died for our legalism. Jesus died for our religious acts. Jesus died for our, um, for the law, for our works. Jesus died for our works so we don't have to do them. Jesus died for, so we could be set free from the law. You know, that is something you don't hear a lot. And, and you don't, you know, a lot of people don't, create you know take the old testament law and start putting it with new law but anything that has to says that this work this deal what you're doing makes you in or out is automatically living in works and i see a lot of folks in progressive churches who are who are kind of work-based and they don't even realize it and and i think one of the reasons is, is because a lot of people in the progressive church don't like the apostle paul and think that he's like a legalistic homophobic heterosexist bastard and um, that's a huge mistake in my mind. First of all, you've got to realize what's not Paul, what's reactionary Paul. You also have to realize when Paul was living. 
And you go, well, Paul didn't like gays. Well, Paul also thought sorcerers were walking around like, hello, I have magic and curses and, you know, and believe in things like that. So you have to live in this reality of, 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 of good news. So a lot of times when you don't see, a lot of the times when I tell people like, oh, I really love Paul. I'm more of a Paulinian Christian. A lot of my progressive brothers are, I'm red letter Christian. I want Jesus read the red letters, which is cool. I mean, I get it. But the red letters are written a lot longer after, and there might be some things we need to talk about. But yeah, okay, I get it. But we also need to look at Paul, but we also need to look at who Paul was and actually allow Paul to be Paul. You know, Paul never mentions hell either. Um, and there are books that Paul that did, you know, the pastoral epistles are all forgeries written by someone pretending to be Paul to other, writing to people who were pretending to, writing to, pretending to be writing to people who are already dead, okay? And there's a lot of apologists who have figured ways to like make that cool and okay and the little one fits in the Bible and we should have it to me if I had like, you know, the Jay Baker translation. I think those books would just, I'd have to have either a big asterisk at the beginning of each one or just, just exclude them altogether. And there's parts of Corinthians that need to be looked at as well. There's more than that, but those are the ones that really stick in my mind as far as Paul's reading. And so I think we lose this concept of Paul here in Galatian where he's saying, you're children of Abraham. Christ has died to set you free, not just from, for your sins, but to set you free from this law. You don't have to virtue signal to prove that you belong to God. There is no proof. You know, They talk about the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruits of the Spirit aren't actions as much as it is peace and patience. Now, kindness and joyful, kindness is an action, I guess and joyfulness, but it's more of the spirit. What do you see in people? So when you people see people who, who, who are, are not practicing, you know, who aren't at peace, who aren't joyful, who are, you know, are, are angry all the time or causing division, you know, because the division is, is usually has something to do with well, my version of Christianity is, uh, and we've gotten so stuck on creating a new law and trying to find the right version of Christianity that we have like f hundreds of denominations hundreds of different types of Christianity, you know, and I almost think one of the greatest ways to, do, to, to have a reformation would just be like close down all the church buildings and do more stuff like this where we have people communicating with each other, people disagreeing well and just saying like, okay, we got to rethink this. Um, we've got to allow people to have interpretations as long as these interpretations aren't uh, making this faith some sort of an exclusive thing that's not creating it into a special club um, and it's not isolating people and not pushing people away because they're LGBTQ or because, you know, whatever is going on in their lives. Because what we're saying is, is that those things become bigger than the gift of the Spirit. They become bigger than Christ. They become bigger than grace. It's saying that grace these things aren't quite accomplished. In some ways, you could actually look at, some ways people think about the New Testament, you could actually see Christ as bad news because Paul talks about, you know, God was being completely fair when he did not punish those who sinned in former times. And now all of a sudden Jesus comes and now we have hell and we have eternal punishment and it's all the individual particular torture chambers that we mostly get from books outside of the Bible. But, you know, you get all this stuff and all of a sudden it's not like, wait a second, I've been for forgiven, but not really. And I'm going to forget if I have to th think this way and it's and I have to do this and I have to do that. 
And you know what? There's people who could argue this with me, and I would love to argue with them. Have me on your podcast. I'm glad to have a conversation. I'm glad to disagree well. I'm glad to debate. And I'm glad to do it in a loving, caring way. Anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't care if you have doctorates or don't have doctorates. I'm all self-taught. Um, I'm also open to really being wrong. Um, but I will say for me, the Achilles heel of Christianity is to always recreate the law. Always to have a box. Always to want to, to have perimeters. Always to want to have some sort of control because we don't really believe that there is a God that is control or that God is the ground of being. Or that Christ is in control. Oh, Christ is good. Christ is in control. But, you know, all of a sudden we stop forgiving people or we start canceling people or we stop, we start attacking other people because their beliefs are different than us or their skin color is different than us or their sexuality is different from us. Oh, you're not in because grace isn't good enough for you because those actions and those works will nullify your bad works will nullify. And Jesus said, I've saved you from the law. If I've saved you from the law, then I've saved you from good works and bad works. And see, both good works and bad works are these constant negotiations of do it yourself. I don't need grace. I don't need that. Now, what happens is, is you get the conservatives who are afraid that grace is a license to sin. Ooh, it's a slippery slope. Now, Paul's saying, I'm afraid the law is a license to, to fall away from God. And then you've got my progressive brothers and sisters who think grace is this license, they say cheap grace, and, and, and they go, oh, it's a license to not do anything. You're not gonna love your neighbor, and you're not gonna feed the homeless, and you're not gonna care about the less fortunate person. And so, you know, great. So both sides have their own way of thinking like grace is a slippery slope. And then, you know, you, but how do you forgive someone like, Donald Trump, how do you forgive that guy? That's my best Donald Trump I got. Um, you know, or how do you forgive people who are doing this or doing that? And you're going like, man, okay, well, why don't we have some tough conversations about this rather than, than becoming like the, the anti-evangelical, like it's just the negative. It's like the Flash. You guys remember the character of the Flash? And then there's negative Flash, and he's yellow, and he's got, instead of a yellow lightning bolt he's got a red lightning bolt and he's like the complete opposite um i mean that's what we've become you know it's like our twin brother like the twin evil brother the progressive or whoever you think the bad guy has the twirly mustache you know like the evangelical comes in with the twirly mustache you know and then the uh, the the progressive comes in with um birkenstocks he's a kid and a goatee <laughs> who's good and who's bad you know um, but ultimately, the, your people, you're the same people. Um, so, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. does not say here that Christ saved us from our sins, but that's the law, the, the laws who put us into sin. It was this law, it's this works, it's this box of control that has thrown us into this concept of sin and missing the mark constantly. Um... We got to get rid of it. And they fought about it. Paul and James fought about it. Paul and Peter fought about it. They even fight about it in Acts. Like this was such a new thing and it's such a new concept that this was being argued out. You know? So arguing about grace versus law versus works is not a new concept. You know, the, 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 these, the, the apostles were like trying to figure it out as well because they're going like, we came from this and now we've got this and what do we do and is it too much freedom and what if we are, we've got to put together a food program or we're all going to starve to death, you know. 
And, uh, and that's good because that is remembering what happened. Now, I'm, I'm about to hit you with the end of this thing, but I wanted to kind of take you on that little trip there. Um, so then in 14, he goes, in order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might be received the promise of the spirit through faith. So Paul is arguing with them saying, getting circumcised isn't going to fulfill Abraham's promise. Not getting circumcised is going to, you know, this is their argument, you know, this is, and this was a big time, a big deal at the time. It would be like us arguing over uh, all the shit we are. There's too many to choose from uh, that we argue, things we argue about. Um, I mean, politics, I guess, is, 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 is the one that's the most, is, is kind of gross right now. And, and the fact that so many innocent people are dying in wars all over the world, not just in two wars, but like lots of wars where people are being massacred, but whatever the media shows us, uh, those wars is all horrific. Um, but uh, but we've been saved from all. So, so what he's saying is in order for Christ Jesus to be blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise, the spirit through faith. And he, Paul is arguing is that Abraham, even though he did good things, it was the spirit, it was the gift of the spirit, it was the faith and the hope and the belief that allowed him to do that. It was him seeing the truth and receiving it. Um, that he was accepted. Um, in my notes here, you know, I wrote like, And Paul's using all this. He's he's quoting Genesis eighteen eighteen and Romans four. So Paul, oh yeah, when Paul so here where Paul says, you know, use Abraham for the nations or the to reach nations or Gentiles. Paul ends up going to use it all in Romans four. So Paul gets even more inclusive than in Romans. So it's not something where where these pastoral epistles. I have one of my buddies who was a biblical pastor. Be like, well, don't you just think that Paul just got more conservative with his old age? And I'm like, no, these just aren't the book. I mean, just read most scholars, and they will agree with me that Paul, these are forgeries. <laughs> and if you don't agree, you know, just Paul's arguing that everything he earlier said earlier on it doesn't add up anymore. He sets up a hierarchy. He's torn down a whole hierarchy, a whole law, and now he's creating brand new laws in these pastoral epistles. And so a lot of bad theology, a lot of hate, and a lot of anger is ignorance. And now we make ignorance sound like it means like, you know, like something really bad, you know. But ignorance is just not knowing yet. So some people are ignorant to that and they go, well, this is part of it, so I must need to take it. Do you see what I'm saying? Like we make ignorance, like I remember the years ago they had a, a sign that said um, there was this... Uh, I don't know if it was anti-sex thing or anything, but it said virgin and it was spray painted. And then it's like, why does this look like a bad word? You know, and we repentance, you know, we make repentance argh, into these bad things. And, um, and ignorance is, is just not knowing. I'm ignorant of a lot of things in this world. A lot of people suffering, a lot of even things biblically. I, there are things that I am ignorant about that I still have to learn. But a lot of people are ignorant because they haven't gone into the deeper dive. And unfortunately, a lot of those people were the ones who told me to do it, and I took it really seriously, so I just 
went crazy nuts and started reading that. And then I started reading philosophy. And then once you get into scholarship, you just go, you know. And what's wild is so many people lose their faith when they realize that the Bible's not 100% perfect or things like that. A lot of people who live leave, you know, um, um, seminary because they go like, uh, and then they come back and then they just compromise. Um, for me, it was the opposite way. It was like, oh, this gets better. You know, this gets better once you realize that these books are, oof, these books were, I've always struggled and, oh, and these aren't even actually, oh, okay, no wonder he was, this sound was so like anti his message. Um, Some may object because they believe that nearly all, uh, all the law keepers believe in God. But for, Baal, for, but for Paul, they do not depend on God's grace, the gift. So, you know, you could say, well, don't people who keep the law believe in God? And isn't that enough? And he's saying, but they're not relying on grace. They're relying on themselves. They're relying on their knowledge. They're relying on having the answers. They're relying on whatever side they're on being right. So, someone just asked me, what's the purpose of free will? Why don't you ask philosophers about that, if you want to really get deep into that? Um, or Calvinists. <laughs> there's another group of people who like to, you know, we don't. So you could actually, see, there's another thing that could bring in a, a free will versus predestination and all this stuff. Like, ah, what is all this? What's the point? If we're all saved, what's the worth of free will? I don't know. I think all, everybody being saved is way better than having free will. Oh. Love your neighbor. Be kind to people. Feed hungry people. Stop suffering. Use your free will for that. Um, so, so Paul's saying, like, these people who are, who are doing all this, this, uh, this law thing are doing it and not depending on grace. And he's saying you've got to depend on grace. You've got to accept that you're accepted. Usually, we'll, this year, we'll do it again. We'll go into Paul Tillich's talk on a grace called You Are Accepted After This because I think it's a good way for us to really grasp what's been said about grace and what the message of grace really is. Um, so, once we get rid of this prohibition and duty and we go, okay, um, all things are... Benef uh, all things are acceptable. What is, all things are acceptable, but not all things are beneficial. Uh, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. That's the verse I'm thinking of right now. So, like, do whatever you want. God loves you. Um, take that free will and go crazy with it. <laughs> but it's not all beneficial. And trust me, I've learned that in my life. And it was when I learned that kind of concept is when I got sober. Is is is. Uh, when it wasn't about God or about religion, <laughs> when it was just about going like, this is not beneficial for my life. Um, because their prohibition of thinking that it was somehow supernatural, godly thing of like, this is what's keeping me from God and keeping me accepted from God, it had such a great power. But when that prohibition fell to the side and the duty felt, and I went, oh my God, I'm loved, I'm accepted. Now, I have grace. It's, it's there. I'm loved. I'm cherished by that which is greater than me. I said, oh, I want to start doing things that are beneficial for my life. Oh, I'm going to start reading 
learning about Greek and Hebrew and biblical history and philosophy and theology. And uh, I'm going to start reading like the, hist the history of the Bible. And then I'm going to start reading um, books about uh, all these different things and questions I've always had about, you know, and um, then I'm going to start under trying to understand scholarship. And now I'm not going to think of the Bible in a sixth grade level anymore, which a lot of us do. I mean, a lot of us think of uh, um, a lot of, uh, uh, sorry, I, I've got lost my train of thought there. Um, anyway, oh, so, so as long, you know, so, so when that became not an issue, then I was able to, to say, I, I, I'm going to, you know, read, read more. I'm going to get sober because I want to do this with my life because I want to tell everybody about the good news because I want to tell everybody about the grace. So I see someone asking me about the free will. I guess maybe that's it is that when I got grace, I was realized I had the will to say, oh, I don't really want to drink anymore. And I want to spend the rest of my life uh, studying uh, the Bible in the most in-depth possible ways. And I want to look at every, every aspect of, of Christianity and other faiths. And I want to look into philosophy and see what philosophers have to say about it. And I have, I have dyslexia. I have really bad learning disabilities. And so I had to be able to do that on my own time. It wasn't somewhere where I could really go into a school and do that. So sometimes when I'm studying, I need TV on or I need, uh, you know, like I'll put on like a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, I've been watching elementary lately. I'll put on elementary and then I'll do my studying because my, my mind is all over the place that I kind of need something for like the weird negative stuff. So just, oh, you go over the TV and the rest of us are going to focus on, on, on this, you know, scholarship. So I guess that's where free will comes in is that I didn't really have free will until I realized that I was accepted. And so when I realized I was accepted, there it is. You know, once I realized that it wasn't an answer book, you know, once I realized it wasn't um, a key to heaven, a ticket to heaven. Um, and I have to use my free will to stand up to people who I love and care about, who think I might be going to hell because I believe the way I do. So I guess that's where free will could come into it, you know. Um, I practice every day, you know. <laughs> Try to make a living doing this because I want to feed my kids and, and take care of them as well. And I, you know, look at part-time jobs and try to do other stuff to bring in income and uh, do work around my apartment complex to help pay my rent. So, you know, because I want to be a good dad. But when that prohibition and that duty goes away, because it's no longer God's prohibition, or that need to do something to impress God or make God happy. I mean, I feel like my dad spent so many years of his life building a just huge PTL empire because he wanted to make God happy. Because that is what religion tells so many of us to do is to, you know, build these beautiful structures for God or these great, do these great works for God, you know, and uh, it causes us to lose that focus of love and acceptance and inclusion in others. Um, but Paul knew grace produced transformation. Now, remember where I said, put, let's put spirit and faith and grace in a little bowl and let it simmer? Huh? 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 <laughs> well, there we go. I'm letting it simmer right now because I'm going to say it in the wake. Paul knew that the spirit produced a transformation. Paul knew that faith produced a transformation. Paul knew grace 
uh, allow transformation. And so that's the great thing is when you take away the do's and the don'ts and the rule books and the commandments and you go, Pew! something happens. I wasn't able to really want much to do with God until I realized God loved me and didn't hate me and that it wasn't about the law and that I was free to be drunk in the corner at the dance club all night long or reading really hard books with my learning disabilities. You know, it was as soon as those prohibitions and those duties were taken away from me that I was able to love my neighbor. I mean, how many people do you think don't love their gay kids and their gay family members because they, it's based on prohibition that the church has made? Uh, and that misinterpretations of biblical texts, you know, um, not knowing that the first time it showed up in the Bible was in 1946, not realizing that our concepts of sexuality really come from Freud and Freud wasn't alive at those times. You know, how many of, of people of prohibition of alcohol have kept people away from their loved ones and people they cared about? How many times is this prohibition of uh, thinking that God wanted races separated or, or things like that have kept people from each other? You know, and pro you take away that and go, oh, you know, all is permissible. Maybe it's not all beneficial, but all is permissible. And, and you take those things down and you have these conversations and people get humanized. You know, it was, it reminds me when we went out to Chicago to that really big mega church in Chicago and had a meeting with uh, Soul Force with them. And uh, I'm trying to remember the pastor's name. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head or the name of the church. But uh, we went there and we just had tough conversations. We even had some arguing well. And you know what? After we left, they didn't take a stance and go like, oh, we're gay affirming. But what they did do is they got rid of all their reparative therapy stuff. They got rid of all those groups. They got rid of, uh, you know, Exodus and all those things. They said, okay, we're going to get rid of this because we know that this isn't helping anyone. So faith for me, growing up, though, the word faith included works when I was growing up. And we got it wrong, and we still have it wrong. You know? So, there you go. Um, oh, gosh. All right, well, we're going to ask the blob to leave because it seems like he's a racist, and we have a racist here. And I don't prefer... Um, we don't really have a lot of room for racism. We would love to help you not be a racist uh, in any way, but that would probably be us introducing yourself and letting us know who you are and becoming a part of the uh, community. I will say, hey, you're loved and accepted, um, but we really don't appreciate that type of thing, and um, that's too bad. Um, usually I just um, ignore people like this, um, but... I'm tired. I'm exhausted. My dad's dying. Um, you know, I know I'm more of a Marxist than a Democrat, but thanks, buddy. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, we keep going. We keep going. And we've got to show this type of love and this type of grace so people like the blob can get loved and accepted and, and, and change and realize that they don't have to go in and take a shit in the middle of a conversation, you know. Um, because we do that because we're hurt, because we're insecure, because we're angry, and because there's the this and us and them mentality. For example, you know, like, oh, why is it, well, you have so many silver rings? Did you steal them from Martin Luther King? Because he's a black man and he must wear a lot of rings. Um, you know, so that's too bad. Um, 
But here, that's the evidence. So that's kind of some more evidence of our talk of the us and them thoughts and the us and them ideas. And uh, hopefully we can change that and be better at it and, and show more love and show more grace and uh, all that good stuff. So thanks everybody for coming this week. Um, it's great to have you here. We're going to go deeper. We, we're not finishing. Obviously, we didn't finish Galatians 3 because I'm doing such an in-depth study that we're going to try and do more of that coming up. Uh, and we're, we are going to do more of that. And there's a part. Uh, there's a few more parts that are really good in Galatians 3, and we're going to do a bit more of an in-depth study on that and uh, continue that. Sorry, everybody. I was already kind of feeling weary this morning, like when I got the call about my dad and... Um, so I'm not always going to handle people being sad people being mean as well as I need to be. So I also need that grace as well because it's easy to just want to take the hurt and the pain that you're feeling and, and point it towards somebody else. Um, projection uh, doesn't really help all that well um yeah we'll be back next week with galatians maybe because i have the kids have school off this week so the study has been so in-depth that i might not have time to completely get what we need together hopefully i can get the rest of three together if not we'll find something to work on and do um yeah um we can't do this without you guys. So if you want to help support us, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and you can Venmo with Venmo and the PayPal. It's tax deductible. As you know, we're just kind of keeping our head above water and um, we can do this work with you. And uh, I think that, that, that our community is, is helping bring reformation and change slowly, but I think we're bringing that and helping people change. And uh, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Um, so there you go. Yeah, please. Yeah, we really could. You know what? I mean, heck, there you go. I'm going to agree with the blob. Revolution really needs your funds because we need to pay bills. We got to pay the people who do our bills. We don't have a building. We don't have anything like that, but we do have to make bills meet. We have to, to raise our budget this year, um, which is smaller, smallest budget we've ever had. And we're trying to do that. So, uh, you know, please think about that because we really do want to do more and we can't do it just by, um, by that. So, hey folks, um, love you guys. I'm going to focus on the love. I'm going to focus on the grace. And um, thank you all for coming. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.